Any question tonight? Yes. Um, those that enter the apricot leela from the fricot leela uh, from the status of jiva within the material world, are they offered an opportunity after entering into the apricot leela to again descend when Krishna comes to manifest fricot leela? Sure. Why not? We uh, we find a, uh, a, a I would say a quasi example of that in uh, Sanatana Goswami's Priyat Bhagavatam, is recording the life of Gopakumar, who is explaining his own life to his student, his own spiritual progress, and um, it's called Kram Vikram Mukti Vikram Mukti, so step by step, the different stages of progress and the different uh, spiritual sensibilities that he becomes acquainted with, all of which are fascinating, but can't capture him entirely because he has a certain impressions, hmm, some scars imbibed from his guru that are really uh, what he's thereby destined to attain. Hmm? And so he goes to many different... Uh, uh, locus or planes of spiritual experience, and ultimately, he, um, um, with the help of Nard, his Siksha Guru, also, he returns from his celestial, so, so to speak, uh, experiences, uh, heavenly and spiritual um, alike, to that place on earth where Krishna's pastimes. Uh, known to be performed, Braj Vrindavan. And from there, then he, through the power of Nam, Kirtan, and Smaranam, meditation, on the leelas that correspond with the names that he's singing. So in the name, you sometimes you know, what's in the name? Well, quite a bit is in the name. Even in our common everyday experience, we know that you know, if your daughter answers the phone and says, somebody called, you say, did you get his name? <laughs> well, if you get his name, then you can track him down, you can find out everything about him. Or as I said before, in, in uh, our times, it, we're identified largely by, by numbers, social security number. For somebody gets that, they can take your whole identity. So the identity, uh, all of you, so to speak, your money, your life, everything is all in your name, just to give a material example. So the name here, of course, in this, uh, in, the, in the context of sadhana, this is spiritual practice, this is Krishna's name, and the name, you know, it's thought that sound is uh, as perfect as the sound that is uttered corresponds with the object that it seeks to describe. Hmm? Cow. Uh, <laughs> you know, does it sound like a, a cow? You know, for example, moo. So, uh, so uh, in in the instance of Krishna Nam, then there's this is there's no separation, hmm? uh, there's no duality between the the sound and and the object, the Nam the name and the named. So uh, he through the medium of uh, invoking the names, then he experiences in his heart corresponding. Uh, uh, Personage, form, qualities, leelas, 
of Krishna and finds himself um, entering in there and he goes to the unmanifest Leela, right? Hmm? From Braj, which is um, interesting and kind of an exception, so to speak, to the to the to what's come to be the rule or the, the standard, um, drawing on the examples from the Bhagavatam, example being what you refer to, the first one takes birth after perfecting himself in this life, wherever Krishna is manifesting his leelas on earth in some universe, and there he gets hands-on or she gets hands-on association with eternal associates and his bhava or her bhava is refined and thereby becomes qualified to enter the unmanifest leela when the leela enfolds here, right, into the uppercut leela. Um, we find, for example, the the, uh, the the Upanishads, the deities presiding over the Upanishads, are described for, uh, entering into the Prakat Lila. The sages of Dandakaranya, who saw Ram when he passed through the forest in their meditation on Gopal, were advised by him, next time I will appear as Krishna, he will appear in my earthly Lila. So they appeared there. And we, we find in the Bhagavatam that there are, for example, some gopis, when Krishna called at night, they couldn't make it. They were obstructed. There were obstructions. The instruction, obstructions ostensibly were external, family members and so forth, and held them back. But they are, in reality, properly understood, internal, and constitute the the kind of um, the power of viraha, of separation. Um, for example, let's say that you get to the one-yard line and it's the fourth quarter and there's two seconds left and then you don't get in. Uh, the, 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 the agony of it is, you know, is, is considerably more than if you were never in the game anyway, so to speak. So that uh, we find Krishna who tells the gopis, for example, in the Prabhat Lila, I disappeared when you gave up everything and came to join me in the middle of the night just to make your love grow fonder because when someone owns a precious thing and then loses it, its value increases many times over in their mind. So it's said that in the union with Krishna, there's one Krishna. In separation, there are thousands of Krishnas. Everywhere, things are reminding him of Krishna, everything and so forth. So this separation for these sadhakas entering right, for the, into the Prakat Lila, that caused by their not being able to meet with Krishna at night intensifies their their bhava and uh, serves to um, uh, I want to say refine or in- intensify their stayabhav into different uh, developmental stages that really can largely for the most part can they can only be accomplished in that 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 context. I've given an example before that if you have, let's say you have a college uh, football player and then they have a, what they call a draft where they draft players from the, co- the best players from the colleges to enter into the professional um, arena. Mm-hmm. And so they were the best in their particular schools, but now they get into the professionals and everybody is the best from all the best schools. And so the game moves faster. And um, so they, they they sit on the bench and they 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 get hands-on experience 
of the speed of the game, the nature of the game through practice and so forth, that they they could, no matter how they tried, they, they couldn't get without that. So they come, the, the, the situation qualifies them, the pressure of the game and, and so forth, or they don't make it, but of course, in this case, everyone will make it in the analogy that I'm giving. So in the hands-on association of Krishna's associates, whose ideal, who are the personified of the, the bhavas that the devotees follow, well, in their company, then um, our own uh, the sadhaka's bhav is, is refined, and so the separation has a, a role to play in that. So they came, the sages of Dandakarni came, so these are examples of persons from this world practicing who then took birth in the Leela. So the logic is this is the um, penultimate um, stage hmm, from which one enters the upper Kali. Now Gopakumar, as I'm saying, is kind of an exception to the rule because he was not participating in the manifest Leela, but he was living in Braj where the Leela has been performed and where which is saturated with meditations upon Krishna with many devotees living there and where the pastimes, the leelas of Krishna are said to be unmanifest but in another sense in a soft sense hmm, there's a kind of soft form of unmanifest and hard form hard form is the actual loka the plane beyond the par of yom beyond, beyond time and space and then there are soft forms of the unmanifest leela that are, manif- that are within time and space so, for example, you can live in Braj and you could experience the Leela there. It's stated in, in various Puranas that if you go at, at every 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 second fortnight, I believe it is, to Govardhan at this time, you will see this shining huge light on top of Govardhan Hill and then it can only be seen by the Siddhas residing there. And if you go to uh, Brahmakund on the northern side, then there's a an Ashok tree that flowers at noon every day, blossoms, something like that. This can only, but it can only be seen by the devotees. So this is, it means the pastimes, these kind of extraordinary things that are part of the pastimes where where all types of uh, extraordinary from our limited time-space continuum experience take place. It's not, if you think about it a little bit, it's not too much of a stretch because even within our own everyday uh, lives, what we can accomplish and what we can experience physically is so different from what we can accomplish mentally. Hmm? So mentally, you can accomplish everything. You can get your land, you can have your house, you can live happily ever after, everything's going to work out <laughs> great. And physically, it takes a little, maybe a little harder and it might not even work. Um, Prabhupada used to give an example that, if, that in, in, in this world you can have gold, maybe a nugget or something, or a bar, and then you can have a mountain, but you can't have a gold, mount, a gold mountain. But in your dreams, in the mind, you can have a gold mountain. If I was to ask um, um, uh, someone in the room uh, to, uh, to, okay, can you please carry everything in the room outside? And then so you pick up the harmonium start to carry it. And I said, no, I mean all at once. And they said, no, that's, it's not possible to carry it all out physically at once. But in, in the mind, you could carry it all with you. You could take every piece and, and carry it outside. So the, what can be accomplished in, in, if, you, if you acknowledge, which we really should, um, the 
phenomena of psychic matter. Hmm? If we stop um, foolishly, I mean, the modern community, uh, trying to reduce uh, thought, uh, reason, hmm? um, which is not a cause and effect type of event. Reason is not a cause, and everything physical is a cause and an effect, cause and effect. Reason is not. You have to have, well, you know, ground consequence. These are the grounds, these are the consequences. It's a different phenomena. So uh, it's an argument of, of the famous C.S. Lewis uh, that makes the point that um, if you understand the nature of reason, it can't be a physical act. Hmm? Anyway, there are many arguments to for this support this idea that that, that, that that mind, for example, mind stuff, if you will, is ontologically different from brain. The two are not the same. The mind cannot be reduced to the brain, leaving us only this one-dimensional, at best, flat-earth, physicalist um, perspective. So, um, uh, the richness and the richness and the possibilities of the mental world are immense, but if the mind is absorbed in the objective world only, then you know it's going to be limited to, to fantasies, so to speak. But if it can be controlled, harnessed, uh, uh, and so on and so forth, then then uh, that's why mind is in the Gita is as be the friend or the enemy depends what what you do with it. It's this this subtle body, if you will, mind, intellect, buddhi, manas, chitta. Uh, if that can be harnessed, then this is the central to spiritual practice then it can be an instrument for um, experiencing the super-subjective realm beyond psychic limitations of even psychic matter, which exceed the limitations of physical matter. So that's a whole, you know, there are people in, in the scientific community are, who are getting tired of trying to reduce the mind to the brain hmm, and start to pause the possibility of Maybe maybe there is something called mind. It's another kind of matter, and you know we haven't quite understood its dynamics and how it works and so forth. This is the position, of course, of Vedanta since um, forever. But anyway, I just make the point as an aside, so that that so that the, the what appears to be a large leap, perhaps trees blossoming every day at noon at this time, and all kinds of of impossible impossibles, if you will, as we uh, might think about them in the Leela, um, uh, the possibility, the, 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 uh, expand your horizons and your and your, your possibilities. It is a land, a realm, where in the dictionary there, the word impossible doesn't exist. Hmm? Hmm. What, is the, what is the possibility of the Atma? Hmm? Unfettered by, by mind, and thoughts of of physical matter and unfettered by physical matter, what, how high in the sky of its spiritual prospect can it can it fly? That's what Leela and Prem talks about. That's what it's talking about. There's a huge difference between, as I've said before, that which is experienced and that which experiences. There's no there's no evolutionary leap or or, or link. You know, evolution, for example, biological evolution theory, or the, the idea is based on the, the idea that that whatever evolves, 
hmm, is in some way present in some subtle form that that which it evolved from. So there's some continuity. Hmm? But the difference, if you will, the gap between non-experience and experience is that there's this, this there, you can't even, it's, it's wider than the Pacific Ocean. I mean, there's, there's no, they're entirely different. And the idea that experience will, will arise out of non-experience obviously doesn't make a lot of uh, sense. But, but anyway, so that it's just that you know from just the ABCs of spiritual life that there's something called consciousness that is not confined by time and space. Hmm? If you want to accept that there is time and space and that there is a world uh, constructed of it and so forth, um, I mean that's just a huge statement. And a lot of spiritual tradition is just like end right there because it's like it is pretty staggering hmm? that you you are entirely different than your mind-body complex and way more beautiful and wonderful and 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 and, and the possibilities that lie within within yourself are, are inestimable in comparison to whatever therefore you have the Bhagavatam depicts four-headed people like Brahma I mean hey if you had four heads I mean you could think it out a little bit better than with one is is the idea people with many hands these are po points that they're making and however well equipped they are materially hmm, it, 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 it pales uh, their, 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 their possibilities their, their ability to deal with the circumstances in comparison to this is a tiny spark of consciousness itself. So, so Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is, is, is one who asked the question that um, it, using an example that I've invoked at other times, the karmic realm, the world of material exploitation, where we, we, th we have identified ourselves with the body-mind complex and in knowingly or unknowingly we kind of look at the world as if I'm the center and it is for me to enjoy and we're competing inevitably with one another for the limited resources that are there we can do it in a in a white collar way <laughs> as an environmentalist or we can do it in a blue collar blue collar blue collar way um, by a non-environmentalist you know <laughs> so to speak but it, but it but if it remains the same well, let's, let's preserve the planet so we can keep enjoying its uh, its resources to try to keep our body-mind complex uh, going hmm? which is a failed obviously effort um, so we're all living on a kind of a death row if you will um, uh, so uh, if we if we take that material life and we we define it as the realm of karma. That means it's it's a realm of obligatory work that is. Um, it goes something like I, uh, you know, uh, I've taken, so now I owe. I've hunted, and I'm also being hunted. Uh, the Bhagavatam puts it: Jiva Jibasya Jivanam. One living being is food for another. That's the world. It's very Darwinian. That aspect of the Bhagavatam agrees with the Darwinian perspective. One living being is food for another. 
that's not the you know heaven, <laughs> if you will. So, but of course, it's not that they're everybody else is the enemy. I'm my own enemy. Hmm? So I've taken, and so I, I, I oh I've hunted. So I had to keep looking over my shoulder, hmm? so to speak. Um, that to use the ma- a mathematical analogy is like being in negative numbers. The more you move, the more you get into debt. The more you're you're implicated karmically, and this burden of karma is building up with every thought, with every breath you take, with every move you make. Someone is watching you, <laughs> and it's being, <laughs> and so that it's just the nature of the machine, the material nature. You're like putting quarters in, and you know, so things are coming out, you know, and uh, and so there's this huge. If you think of every thought you've you've thought, if you could. There's a consequence for it. There, there, there's. We're, we're just not living in a vacuum. So whatever we do, the environment comes back. So there's this stockpile of karma. What we're experiencing karma is only what karma that's now bearing fruit from actions that we've performed. Who knows when? And then there are many that are stored up that haven't been even gotten that far yet in developmentally to bear fruit. Hmm? So if you if you understand this, you think, oh, you know, you got to put your hands up for help. It's a quite a, quite a predicament. Mm-hmm. So, negative numbers. The more you move, the more you go down. It's like quicksand. Don't move, Tarzan said. If you move, you go down further. And then he swings in on the rope. And then, so, we needed, you know, a Tarzan. That's not, it's not, it's not to say that you're weak, or it is to say that you're weak, the emission of which is evidence of your strength, mm-hmm. right? So, now, if you go from negative numbers to zero, like the Buddha advocated, for example, or you find it somewhat in similar idea in Dwaita Vedanta, you've, you've eradicated all the negative numbers, and zero has a positive connotation in relation to negative numbers. Now there's no more movement there's zero. There's shanti, shanti, shanti. There's peace. Just sit. Hmm? There's peace. But the full face of love is not present. There's some aspect of love and peace because you've stopped exploiting, stopped taking. But not taking is different than giving. right? It's part of giving. It's the half of giving. Hmm? So, But it's so big. Given again, just a, my brief explanation of the of the the, the web of karmic implication, the negative numbers. If you're a negative 108, you know, to come to zero, it's just like, whew, I mean, I how much higher can you go? You can't even fathom. I am going higher. What are you talking about? I've just like gotten out of this super extraordinary lifetime after lifetime through different species of transmigration. I've arrived at peace. The whole thing, the whole thing. I was be, I was being chased by myself, chasing myself, hunting and being hunted. Hmm? I was running down the street and everybody was chasing me. I got inside the door and closed it and locked it, ah, and they couldn't get in. And is that time to think about going out? What you might do now? You know, you just know, huh, take a deep breath. That's it. I'm. It's so so um, high. The zero is so full in comparison to negative numbers, that it's hard to think uh, beyond that. The Buddha said, don't think beyond that. Get to zero. Hmm? 
that was, if you look carefully, some of Buddhists will argue that was his strategy. Hmm? His position was about uh, anatma, no atma, was a, was a strategy, uh, no, no self. Because in order to get to the self, as we're talking about it, you have to get rid of the, no, the, the false self. So if I say to you, get rid of the false self, get the real self, you know, wait a minute. You know, that's so his strategy was, just get rid of the false self. And then the implication would be, and then things that you, that you will know what you need to know at that, that point. Now we are more confusing. <laughs> we, we talk about the other side of it, but that's Chaitanya Mahaprabhu posing the question that if I've come to zero from negative numbers, are there any positive numbers? What what kind of question is that? It's just like very, like I said, to 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 ask that question hmm? itself is is is, is very uh, extraordinary. And of course, just using the analogy, that's the question he asked and answered it by his own example. And I mean, there are others as well, but um, you know. We are followers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who, you know, you have to understand who Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is historically. You get, it, get a little picture just from a, just from an ordinary uh, historical uh, perspective. There are many great spiritual saints in, 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 those, uh, in those times of the uh, 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th century, uh, particularly the, the, the um, the uh, early, very uh, early part, of first half of the 15th century, um, late part of the, anyway, 1500, early 1500s, late 1400s, you uh, you had this uh, revolution, so to speak, in India against the the kind of Advaitin monopoly, religious monopoly. You had your Advaitin mystics, and then you have the religious sector were the smarter Brahmins who had all these rules and whatnot, and they had monopoly on religion. So to be religious, you had to go through them. In fact, you had to take die and take birth as a as a smarter Brahmin, and then as a smarter Brahmin, you had to become a mystic, a sannyasin, and then you could get mukti. And it distanced God from the people in the ways that they felt were were artificial. That they could have a closer communion, a more direct communion with the Godhead. Than uh, than than uh, what was being taught, and so this bhakti kind of response to the Advaitin monopoly came, and there were many Kabir and Tukram and uh, Narsimeta and uh, what is his name, Fasik, um, Guru Nanak, and so forth. They were all advocating the name, chanting the name. They had different ideas, philosophically conceptualizations of the. Name they have a Sagunanam, Nirgunanam, um, and so forth. Um, but and all of them are, you know, famous people in Indian culture, history, and, and religious figures, and, and so forth. Many of them, and, and amongst them, you know, in, in the time is Vishwambhamishra Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. I mean, you just look at the history. There's absolutely what he was, the way in which he, after his disappearance from the world. So many, so many different sects, sections, religious, non-religious, secular, uh, different religious sects, as f- stretching as far as uh, in, into Buddhism, 
identified with him, included him in their in in their group, wanted to be identified with him. His influence was absolutely extraordinary. It's just it's a historic figure whose whose history in the world of religious spiritual um, um, ecstasy and uh, and um, influence. Uh, is, it was just so uh, far-reaching. It, 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 it was it was one of social. It 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 brought about social reform, religious reform, new insights into the in spiritual possibility, new insights into the, into the inner meaning of the Upanishads and so forth. I mean, it, it, just, if you just look and see how many different. You know, you may, from an orthodox point of view, as a Gaudi Vaishnava, say they don't really don't follow Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. They don't really follow Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. They don't really. You keep going. They, 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 they got a lot of darn followers, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Whether they understand it or not, they want to be identified with him, is the point. It's something like the Gita. When I was young, I thought, yeah, you know, when Gandhi explained the Gita like this, he was wrong. You know, and that guy explained the Gita like that, and he was wrong, and he was wrong. After a while, I thought, yeah, the, there's different ways to look at it. And the Gita's beauty is that it actually could be interpreted in that way, partially, as well. And that's it's, it's how complete it is. If you have an idea of a Swayam Bhagavan, a, 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 a original fountainhead of the Godhead, then all other possibilities reside within him as well. When when Sri Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami makes this argument from the from the scriptures as to the position of Krishna as the fountainhead of divinity, and then he identifies Chaitanya Mahaprabhu with that same Krishna, Radha and Krishna. He makes a long argument. Afterwards, afterwards he says, "But some people see him differently, and then that's also possible. You know, he's everything. <laughs> he can be uh, uh, such would be the truth hmm, about the fullest." manifestation of divinity. So if you want to look at, you should really look at Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and how how, how he influenced, particularly Bengal, where he hailed from, you know, because he's the hometown boy and so forth, but the whole, the subcontinent of India too, where, where he where he traveled, um, and how that's, you know, endured hmm, into the modern world, and there's people like us. And, I mean, he, he, he is everything you could possibly, anyone's ever said about him and um, and more and he posed this kind of question in a very extended sense using this mathematical analogy what are the possible are there any positive numbers hmm? what, what the, the book about him that the, the one of the primary um, sacred uh, biographies of him in which the teaching is also um, uh, delineated is entitled Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita. So it, it means, uh, Chaitanya means consciousness. It's one of the meanings of the word. So uh, Chaitanya Charit Amrita. So it, it means the, Charit means character. Amrit, Mrita means death. Amrit means immortality. And it also means nectar. So just like you have in the Western world this idea that Columbus was looking for the fountain of youth, right? The fountain of youth. So there's this, there's this idea in every culture of a fountain of immortality, right? Hmm? So the word in Sanskrit for immortality also means nectar. So the you know to take that drink, hmm? um, and so the the book means the title means the 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 
kind of immortal uh, nectar-like or ecstatic mm, uh, nature of the character and, and thereby the possibilities of consciousness. It's not, in other words, it's not talking about what consciousness is not that we could say a lot about. It's not this, it's not that, it's not, it's not like anything that we have experience of in this world. It's the experiencer. <laughs> you know, it's not, it, it, it's, 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 everything is being measured and consciousness is doing the measuring. Hmm? How will it measure itself? Uh, it, it's, it, again, it's qualitative rather than quantitative. So for the most part, traditions of Vedanta largely have described, for example, the Atma in uh, through uh, negatives. I don't mean that in a negative way, but it's not this, it's not that, it's not this, it's not that. Hmm? But Chaitanya taught, Mahaprabhu was talking about what it is, its character, its possibilities within the realm of consciousness. Are they just to rest forever? Or is there any movement in transcendence? Shankar would reason, if you move, you must not be full. If you're full and content, why move? There, for movement in the world is karmic and binding. Hmm? And if you become full through contemplation, then you can sit hmm, peacefully. So here, here we're describing the Leela as best we can, borrowing from the words and descriptions used from great mystics in our tradition that don't do justice to it as much as no words can, but have power nonetheless. Because if I'm having an experience and then I try to communicate it in words, however limited those words may be, and they are considerably, they still have power in them, given the place that they're coming from. Hmm? Uh, so um, so these, uh, uh, we're talking about a plane where there's movement so, you know, if I can argue to you, you know, well, that movement as I have is, is in the karmic realm and you move, you owe, so get, come to zero, be peaceful. Then when I start talking about movement again and forms and things, it sounds like I'm talking about what I just said was a problem. But there's another kind of movement, as I often say. There's a movement out of necessity, out of want, out of lacking, where we think by adding something on, I'll be more complete. And then there's a movement about out of actually being complete, that is that is celebratory. So the leela is 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 configured as, for example, as as dancing, singing. Hmm? So it's not a movement out of feeling incomplete that I need something. It's out of celebrating the fullness. Hmm? So such is the nature of uh, the idea of leela. And so there are all kinds of. Um, possibilities there. And some of the ways that the, that the Leela is talked about are just meant to, just to short-circuit our our mind, so to speak. So we stop trying to go there with a limited vehicle. Hmm? Right? And try to fit it all between our ears, so to speak. Um, and it's 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 very uh, peaceful, if not blissful, to just kind of let that go and uh, enter into the possibilities of the Leela as they're described and so forth. So anyway, it's a long explanation there as an aside, but this uh, Gopu Kumar living in the Braj, not during Krishna's manifest Leela, but in the Braj where that Leela manifested, he went from there to the hard 
form of the uppercut leela. The soft form is, I'm experiencing Krishna leela in braj, hmm, as 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 a siddha or a sadaka, hmm, because it it has great power that place. Hmm, therefore, it's recommended maturavas to reside in Mathura. Hmm. However, it's also possible, as Jiva Goswami says, if you can't reside there physically, reside there in your mind at Saravrahi. Mm-hmm. He said it right in the book. <laughs> <laughs> and there, with the meditative mind, also you can experience the Leela of the Radha Madhava. Hmm? Hmm? And the stone moves and talks and so forth. And so this is also unmanifest because uh, one person could be experiencing that and the others in the room might not. Hmm? Right? So it's not manifest before everyone's eyes, it's unmanifest. But that's a soft, what I would call a soft form of the unmanifest. And the hard form is the actual manifestation of the Leela beyond time and space. I'm experiencing something beyond time and space, if you will, within time and space. That's one thing. So anyway, he went from Braj to the uppercut Leela, right? And there he describes it. And there he is asked by Radha, to to return, hmm? which is kind of what your question's about, right? So he's a sadhana siddha, he's a practitioner that goes there. And he's asked by Radha to return to minister to this uh, certain fellow, Mathura Brahma, his name was Jana Sharma, hmm? who was in Braj. And so he 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 then effortlessly moves from that uppercut Leela into the material world to Braj. And he tells his story, and there together also they experience a soft form of the uppercut leela in in, in Braj, and um, and ultimately they they enter into the uppercut leela. So th- from that it would appear right that there is the possibility of moving within time and space and outside of time and space in the context of being a perfected. Devotees. So the same would hold true, then, and if not more readily, to the uh, the, the idea that from the aprakat lila, as it manifests here, those who have those there are there are those who return, who reside there forever have never been materially conditioned, and those who have been and go there, and that's what you're talking about. Those latter persons, can they, when the lila manifests here, can they come with it? And yeah, it would appear to be the case. Hmm. That would not be one of the distinguishing features of uh, Nitya Siddhas. Not necessarily, yeah. 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 But it is emphasized that the Nitya Siddhas are the ones who should be followed. Their, their example. We can follow our guru who follows that example in that sense, but these paradigmatic figures, Rupa Manjari, Sridham, Saka, so forth, so to a different in a different rasas. So yeah, that's uh, and when doing that, of course, they're there at the same time. We talked about that. It's that's a short circuit. Yeah. Yes. In your characterization of negative numbers, zero and positive numbers, you think of coming negative being karmic, and then coming. 
No karma. If there's no karma, then you're not. That's the glue. Yeah. So at that zero, <laughs> you become unglued. Yeah, the equation is different. So, what would you, what is described as that love that's experienced at that zero, you know, state of spiritual realization as opposed to this experience of love? Yeah. Well, if you take the three uh, uh, kind of ingredients, sat, jit, ananda, hmm, then uh, you have being, knowing, and loving, right? So there can be a, a, a transcendent um, uh, experience where being is prominent. Hmm? And knowing and loving are also there, but they're not as prominent. There can be a state of realization in which the knowing is prominent and being and loving you know, assist that. And then there can be a state of experience where the loving is prominent and the being and the knowing are uh, uh, secondary and attending to assisting that. So uh, we're on the that end of the equation where the loving is, is prominent. And if you just think about it practically, if you love someone and they love you, then having to know something is not really much on your mind. And and where to go is is or where you live is transcended by just the fact that you're with the person that you love and it could be you can love someone live under a rock you know um, it's not as important to you therefore the brudge in the Leela is depicted as a small place a humble you know I mean it's beautiful wonderful but it's 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 rural it's humble it's a, it's it's a not palatial and, uh, and and so forth um, so and I've given the equation there's a possibility of, ex- of of loving to exist, and then there's a possibility of existing to love. So if you love to exist, then you then you have to stop you have to stop killing, hmm? right? You have to stop taking because you can't exist in the karmic world because whatever you take. You know, you have to pay back whoever you kill. You're being hunted, and 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 all. So you have to change bodies, and the identity there can't be maintained. So in order to stop, stopping from the exploitation. Okay, I'm getting to the heart of the answer of your question. Stopping from exploitation, from taking, is a drawing back, right, from, from the the outward extension of oneself into identifying with the world, with the sense objects, and, and so forth. We call it renunciation, right? Detachment. Hmm? To step back. We say that less is, is more. Hmm? So what's happening there in renunciation, properly understood, is that that's the first step in loving. And you can understand that from a psychological point of view. From a psychological point of view, if you're too needy, i gotta have a, I got to find a boyfriend or a girlfriend and I, I then they used to be in the worst position 
to get into a relationship, right? You need to be kind of grounded and somewhat full in yourself because relationships are really about giving and sacrificing and not just somebody else, just some object that just fulfills whatever I am. And, I'm, and now I'm full and, uh, and thank you very much. Um, if you even say it, you know, so, so, um, so loving ironically in one sense, uh, is, is the first step in it is to step back is if I'm too close to a thing, Attached to it, I can't see it for what it is. Hmm? If I'm attached to it, then I, I'm going to manipulate it in a certain way for because it's now part of my identity. Hmm? And I feel justified in doing so. so I, you have to step back from it. So renunciation is the first step in loving. So what is the nature of the love, then, of zero, is your question. And that's described in the Gita and other texts, of course, as, as a sense of... Uh, uh, of, of you can find it like for example the fifth chapter of the Gita, universal uh, compassion. Hmm? That's what it. That's what. It, that's why compassion, as I said the other night, is not a small thing. Hmm? It's not a small thing. A lot of times devotees I've seen talk about compassion and saving the world, and really all they're talking about is, without really understanding it, I believe this is the absolute truth, and 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 the more people join, the more I believe it. <laughs> And therefore, I, I need more people to join because then I'm going to be sure that, that, that I'm right. And they're not thinking like that consciously, but that's how they're functioning psychologically. They're going to save, and they actually think they're saving the whole world and and uh, and uh, and so forth. And I guess on some level, you could say they are, but it, but it's not, you know, the full really idea of compassion. It's a very high thing. It's 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 universal. It's explained in the sixth chapter of the Gita. The highest yogi feels the suffering of others as if it is his own. So if you're going to love your neighbor like yourself, you have to understand what the self is. And the neighbor is a similar self, a spark of consciousness. He or she is not what they may appear to be to the eyes and the mind. There's something more than that. The more you are dwelling in that self, then what does the Gita say? That... Pandita Samadarshina, hmm? the fifth chapter. The learned person, what it really means to be learned is to is to see the self in everyone, regardless of the fact that the self is in different bodies and identifying with those bodies and act you can you have to you have to do two things. You see that the self is in the dog and relate to the self and still treat the dog like a dog. <laughs> uh you know, you, 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 so you have to feed him dog food or whatever, <laughs> you know, and the things that he, but, but, but then, but then there's a, a seeing beyond that that enables you to identify with them in a, in a realistic way. I mean, it actually f feels the, the pain of others as if it's uh, one's own. That's not a cheap thing. That's a very high, zero is very, very high. Hmm? That's why sadhakas of our tradition, which extends beyond zero, have still the greatest respect for the people who have attained zero. Hmm? Prabhupada taught me, you should always pay your obeisances to even to Mayabadi sannyasis. Tell that to most of Prabhupada's disciples. So, um, so that's a big thing, but that is only the baseline then of rasa. 
Hmm? Um, so now you might question, well, universal compassion, okay, and then I enter into Brahman, who's there to be compassionate for anymore? Because there's once you enter into the apricot lila. So I'm talking about how the bliss in that um, worldview and that school and system of uh, transcendental pursuit plays out in this world, right? It plays out the love, the ananda, as a, as a universal uh, compassion. They may not do anything, but they feel that way. You could sit in a cave and do nothing, but but you know, still uh, feel compassion for for the uh, all animation. Now. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, well, the, the point, yeah, I mean, but the, the ability to love uh, is somewhat dependent on on specificity. So, as much as, in other words, if I love you, well, the more that I know about you, the more I can love you. If there, if you are indistinguishable and indeterminate in nature, indeterminate, that means you have no determining characteristics, qualities, as Brahman is described as indeterminate consciousness, then it's hard to love it. Hmm? It's easy to, to, to be like it, so to speak, just to be. It, it bees. It's pulsating. Hmm? And it's a form, a manifestation of the Absolute. So yeah, it, there's Ananda there. But the measure, if you will, <laughs> if you could, of Ananda comparatively to frame, for example, is, is, is insignificant in that in, in bhakti, the indeterminate absolute is not the focus, but the determinate absolute with qualities, forms, which are all, uh, you know, it's a very mystical thing. Brahman is everywhere. How can it move? By the power of bhakti, it moves. That's Krishna. You approach like that, now Brahman takes on a uh, movement, lila, play, and so forth, and you can enter into that. And so the possibility of loving is increased by the fact that, that there, there are there's unlimited things to find out about Krishna. In Brahman, you, you unlimitedly found out about how, how sh- shallow and empty the world is, and you're just uh, peaceful for that. There's no, there's no interaction. Love is also a kind of, it requires some movement. Hmm? Some reciproc it may be graded or valued on a scale of reciprocity. So, to whatever extent there's, the, you and I are one, and I can look at you and go, right, you know, then okay, the the, the value, the, the the measure of, of love. So it's limited, it's it's limited in, in comparison, and it's hard to say that it's limited because it's unlimited, <laughs> but it's unlimitedly limited. <laughs> <laughs> um, in, 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 in ways that I'm uh, speaking about. <laughs> so, enough. She, Brahman ki jai. Okay. Shishi go radamana ki jai. Go bhakta vindu ki jai. Go premanandi.